The following is a reflection on the readings for Friday of the fourth week of Easter. The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 13, verses 26 to 33. The responsorial is Psalm 2, and the gospel is John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Today's gospel is part of the Last Supper discourse with the Twelve Apostles. Context is important here. This is the evening before Jesus dies on the cross for the sins of the world. These words would therefore be some of the last and important that Jesus would speak this side of death. Prior to the crucifixion, heaven was closed to humanity. Now, on Easter Sunday, a revolution will take place. To get a hint of its magnitude, on Holy Saturday, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus descends to the dead and announces salvation to the, quote, spirits in prison, the Old Testament followers of God, who were locked in a shadowy mid-state or Sheol, awaiting release. Here are the words in the upper room on Holy Thursday that Jesus speaks to his apostles and to all humanity. Quote, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. End of quote. Notice how the statement begins. Jesus does not say, It would be nice if your hearts were not troubled, or I suggest that this be so. Rather, he issues a command in the imperative. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But how can such a statement be made, given the many stresses of daily life, not only at the time Jesus spoke to his disciples, but throughout all subsequent generations, no less so today with COVID? Jesus' next words are the answer. Believe in God, believe also in me. There is much evidence for requesting this degree of trust, Jesus' miracles of healing, exorcisms, and even raising Lazarus from the dead after four days in the grave. Four days is important because it was thought that when corruption began, that is, after four days in the grave, the soul left the body. Given such a background, Jesus now wants to elevate the faith of the apostles from this life of trouble to the final goal and purpose of every human person. In other words, yes, there is difficulties now in a fallen world, but given what Jesus will provide, it need not overwhelm us. The provision is nothing less than our everlasting presence with Christ in his Father's house. The Bible does not tell us much of what heaven is like. We get only hints. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully understood. And 1 John chapter 3 We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To see and know God has been the desire of the human heart from the beginning. 
The psalmist often cries out, Lord, let your face shine on us and we shall be saved. And teach me your ways, O Lord. What Jesus is saying in today's gospel is that we will have both in a face-to-face vision because we will live with him and the Father. As Jesus tabernacled with us for 33 years on earth, we now tabernacle with him and the Father in the mutual love of the Holy Spirit. Not only is our ultimate beatitude provided for, but when Thomas asked how can we know the way, Jesus adds, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way because he is both Son of God and Son of Man. By uniting our lives with him, we are united to God. There are two methods of ascertaining how to get to a friend's house. We can ask our friend to draw us a map, or our friend can actually get in the car with us and drive us to his home. Jesus does the latter if we ask him. Jesus is the truth, as his way is accurate. Being God, Jesus cannot lie or be mistaken. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, All God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. End of quote. Jesus is the life. Possessing eternal life, he is able to give it to us. What is lacking in sacred scripture as to the nature of eternal life, church teaching attempts to fill in, at least partially. The most authoritative statement is found in the Apostolic Constitution of Pope Benedict XVII, which is entitled, On the Beatific Vision of God, which now I quote, We define that, since the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the souls in heaven have seen and do see the divine essence with an intuitive and even face-to-face vision without interposition of any creature in the function of the object seen. Rather, the divine essence immediately manifests itself to them plainly, clearly, openly. We also define that those who see the divine essence in this way receive great joy from it, and that because of this vision and enjoyment, the souls of those who have already died are truly blessed and possess life and eternal rest. End of quote. Church councils such as Florence have added that our degree of seeing will be according to the merits gained while in this present life, that is, the degree to which we cooperate with God's grace in the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. In addition, the Council of Trent lists four attributes that will be bestowed on the saved in heaven. First, subtlety. In our glorified body, the soul so dominates that we are unrestrained by matter, being able, for example, to pass through walls as Jesus did in the upper room. Second, agility, being unrestrained by movement in relation to space, that is, being able to travel at the speed of thought. Third, impassibility, that is, freedom from pain and death. And fourth, clarity, radiating in glory like the stars because of the soul's beauty. Finally, there are the social joys in heaven as well. Besides knowing and loving God the Trinity, there will be 
interpersonal relationships with the other saints and angels, and our joy will multiply, because being aware that they participate in the same beatific vision, we converse with them about these great goods. What should be our response to this gospel? It is found in St. Paul's speech in Acts chapter 13 to the Israelites and Gentiles, begun in yesterday's first reading. Quote, We bring you the good news that what God promised to our ancestors he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. End of quote. So, yes, we are burdened at present in this world of pandemic and our own physical and spiritual weaknesses, but it is relative in view of heaven and our knowing how to reach it. As St. Paul states in Romans chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let us pray. Enable us, we pray, Almighty God, to proclaim the power of the risen Lord, that we who have received the pledge of his gift may come to possess all he gives when it is fully revealed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.